Well, hello, everyone. It is a snow day today, and I'm glad because I have this cold. So I apologize for how this is going to come out, but I thought this would be a good day to try to get through the next episode of all of the mess with my school. Um, I was going through writing all this out. This is definitely going to be more than one episode. <laughs> There's so much to tell and so much to say. So here we go. So I hope your last week has been amazing with New Year's and everything. And I want to begin by saying um, a couple episodes ago, I talked about angels. And I mentioned like people in my life being angels. Well, I just want you guys to know that multiple people have reached out to me since my last podcast with kind words, amazing support former students and friends, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I definitely see you all as angels because throughout all of this, even though I know the things that were being said about me were lies, it's still really hard hearing this stuff said about you. And it hit me deep at the time and it still hits me as I'm reading through things. I still get sad. It hurts my heart. So when I hear from kids that were actually in my classroom or that I had coached at some point or had in a club, when I hear from them the words of kindness and encouragement, it truly warms my heart. So thank you all for reaching out to me after listening to the first episode. Also, good old church hit me again this past Sunday. Um, the current sermon series is about love and how God is love and all we need is love. We're meant to love one another. This past weekend, Pastor Adam also incorporated Dr. King's speeches into his sermon. And these focused on loving our enemies, praying for those that have hurt us or done wrong to us, that love conquers hate. Of course, all I could think about was me doing this podcast and the people that brought so much incredible pain to me. And could I pray for them? Could I change my anger into love? <laughs> it's really, really difficult for sure. And I think my heart would feel differently if there had ever been any apologies or acknowledgement of wrongdoing, which to this day, I haven't been given. So I guess that's just why Jesus is better than me. I mean, he's able to love his enemies. I'm still struggling with that, y'all. It's hard. Um, Anyway, so I'll say again, these episodes are not to get anybody in trouble. They're not to have any adverse effects on the school or the people still working there. Honestly, it's just to get my story out, how I was treated, well, mistreated, and for me to be able to move forward. If it happens to open the eyes of those individuals that literally destroyed me and they happen to like reach out and apologize, well, I mean, that would be quite a change in the story, right? And maybe then we do pray for our enemies and have that love for our enemies and forgiveness. But I'm not holding my breath on that. Okay, so this is the second episode in my series about the dominoes falling in my world and how I continue to move forward. We left off the last episode with my brother Mark having just been diagnosed in September of 2020 with esophageal cancer. Only a month prior to this, I had been reprimanded by my administration for a Facebook post on my personal Facebook page, and I had jumped through all the hoops to be able to continue teaching. For those that have not listened to that episode, there is a lot to know, so I would encourage you to listen to that before moving on to this. 
So September through the end of the year 2020, I watched as my brother heroically fought. He had a huge tumor in his esophagus and into his stomach, and initially it was inoperable due to this one particular node. So he was put through aggressive chemo and radiation from September through December. He had like a little fanny pack of drugs hooked up to him. But he walked every morning, continued living his life, worked on remodeling his daughter's home with all the family around. Spirits were good. He was he impressed every doctor he met. And then we spent Christmas still like in the COVID world all together as a family at a friend's home in Austin, Texas. And we were all together in one house making these amazing memories. And little did we know while we worried about if this would be our last Christmas with Mark, it actually was our last Christmas with my husband, Neil. And I am so incredibly thankful to have spent our last like this. I've said it before, and I will say it again, to be part of a family that chooses to be together and enjoys being together. I mean, it is such a blessing. So treatment was done. Now we were waiting until January for the next scan to see if that node was gone, which would allow surgery to happen. And all of the prayer warriors and friends, families, strangers, my students, the outpouring of love and support was incredible. And then we found out, yes, the node was gone. He could have the surgery. Praise the Lord. He was getting it the surgery in February. So between August, my ridiculous reprimanding, Mark's approval for surgery, there were other things where I continued to be single out for my political affiliation. For instance, November 2020, election where Biden won. And that win came with lots of questions from many people regarding the validity of the election. Anyway, there was a group chat of the conservative club kids. And come to find out, it was not only conservative club kids on this chat. But the kids are messaging one another about don't go to school the next day angry. Don't be like some of the liberals were four years earlier saying not my president and screaming at the sky and needing safe space to do all this and blah, blah, blah. So I was really impressed with their maturity. So I hop on because I can see all this and I comment, quote, yes, please. Do not be like our counterparts who lost their minds when it didn't go their way. You all are better than that. No matter what, we want the president to be successful, whether we like him or not. He does well, we do well. We must practice what we preach, not display behavior that sickened us the last four years. And in four years, when you all are older and all of you can vote, we take back the White House without fraud or dead people voting. And I put like a little smiley face emoji. So, hold on, the computer is going crazy. Give me one second. So, uh... That happened, and November 9th, I received an email from my principal stating that he and the headmaster had received complaints from parents regarding my post in the chat. They claimed that parents complained that I was, quote, spreading misinformation to students in violation of Pembroke's social media policy. And then this email said, quote, your position as the conservative club sponsor is one of influence that should not be taken lightly, insinuating that our electoral process is fraudulent and inflaming an already tense situation was irresponsible and falls short of the expectation listed in I was like, what? So 
I responded via email because I wanted all of this in my file since that email had been sent to the head of HR and da da da. All right, so via email, I said, quote, I did not violate social media policy. I sent an appropriate text message in a group text. I posted nothing on social media. And then I further said, I did not spread false information. There are currently multiple lawsuits by our current president regarding voter fraud. This is not misinformation. I did not state an acceptance or denial of this having occurred. I stated for the kids not to worry about the current situation. And in four years, they would be partaking. They would not be partaking in voter fraud because they have integrity. I also then point out to the head of HR and my admin how the school just happened not to notice or quote my message with its beginning, which was full of praise for the kids, stating, quote, contrary to your email assertion, I have in fact complied with so-and-so's initiative to be guided by our core values of respect, integrity, compassion, and scholarship. Continue on, quote, treat each other and our students with respect and be rule." All of these were in these initiatives. So continuing on with my email to them, I said, throughout the entire election process this year and all others, I have been a role model in my job as conservative sponsor as well as a teacher. I went on to say, quote, encouraging students on the losing side of an election via group text to wish the best for our president, to be kind to those that disagree with them no matter what, and to then change the results in four years, on their own, legally, is absolutely standing for respect, integrity, compassion, and scholarship. To accuse me of wrongdoing for doing my job of supporting them, guiding them, and making them smile is baseless and inappropriate and would not happen if my political affiliation were different. No parent would complain if my political affiliation were different, as was the case in August as well. So this was all ridiculous, right? especially with everything that had happened four years prior when Trump won and the last four years overall with what had been being said directly to students by people from the other side of the political spectrum. I mentioned a few of these in my last episode, but let me repeat one of them here just to give a comparison of my reaction to the kids when their candidate did not win versus the reaction of a liberal teacher directly to a student. The day after Trump won, student came in and asked the teacher to attend a meeting and help the kids have a respectful discussion about their election, the election results. His reaction was, quote, you are going to have to ask someone else because I am on a spiral of depression and have lost all faith in humanity. Hmm. Okay, compare those two reactions. Mine being one of support, whomever wins, and do your civic duty in four years. And his reaction. Now, mind you, did he get an email CCing HR? Not that I know of. Even though I complained about his, to the principal about his inappropriateness. And again, remember the other multiple stories that I have ter- told about conservative kids' experiences, all of which I reported. And never did my principal follow up with me regarding actions for this behavior by other faculty. But here I am. Email, HR, being made to feel that I am no longer exemplifying respect, integrity, compassion, and that I'm not being a role model. Total BS, honestly. So that was November 9th. All right, so go about my life, focus on my brother, praying he can get surgery, trying to remain positive, even though I know my every move is being watched at school. I thought the next domino to fall would be something regarding my brother. But oh no, I could never have imagined what was coming at me. 
Whew. It's Sunday morning, January 31st, 2021. I'm laying in bed, my husband, sleeping in a little bit, and my phone rings. It's a friend who is an admin at the school. She tells me that an article has come out in the Kansas Star about anti-Semitism at our school. The article was sparked by a swastika being found on a desk not in my classroom had nothing to do with me. But within this article, they had printed my Facebook post with my name and everything. And they had said something like, this teacher is still employed at the school. Oh my God. Okay, I knew this was going to be bad, but I had no clue how it was literally going to destroy my world. Well, at least for a little while until something worse happened, of course. Anyways, so there's so much to it. I'm going to try to follow a timeline that I kept. I mean, all of these things got so bad, y'all, that I have binders and folders full of documentation, phone calls that I have transcribed, emails and such from students, alums, families, lawyers. There's so much information that I can't get to, but I'm going to try and get through as much as I can to give you guys just a picture of things. So again, Sunday, January 31st, article comes out. Monday, that Monday, the next day, I go ahead and go to school on February 1st. I emailed my principal before school, asking him to call me as soon as possible because I was kind of like, okay, what's the best way to handle this walking into the classroom, right? He calls me back. I'm already at school. So he comes down to my office and he says for me to, quote, read the room regarding the kids. Says he's not going to muzzle me whatever. So I decided to be transparent because I wanted to be transparent way back in August, right? So in each class, I go in and I talk about the elephant in the room. I discuss with them what I meant by the sharing of the post. I talk about having already been disciplined for this back in August, what I had to do regarding that disciplinary action, because a huge issue with all of this seemed to be, coming from the article, that the public impression was that nothing had happened to me after this post, right? Now, mind you, I still stand that I didn't do anything wrong with that post. I I was upset that it upset other people because it was misunderstood. Because like I said, I never want to do that. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, especially regarding religion. That was not the intent. But big picture, I did not post that trying to be anti-Semitic. So anyway, um, the public wanted consequences. And they had not seen any consequences because we kept everything under the wraps, right, when all this happened back in August. So I talked to everybody, tell them every, all my students, tell them everything. They were wonderful. I also attended an already scheduled politics club meeting. It was already on the books before any of this happened. And I had told the other teacher in charge, I'm not going to come, but go in there, talk to the kids. If they want me to come and talk about this, I will because I'm an open book. And she did. She asked them. And of course, that's what they want to talk about. So I go to this meeting and I allow the meeting to also be shown via Zoom because I wanted anybody to be able to watch it. It was COVID days. There were still kids doing virtual learning, etc. It was a very emotional meeting, but it was very good. I felt really supported by the kids. I felt that day and the next couple days that I went back Monday and Tuesday, I felt supported by my kids. I felt supported by the faculty. The male admin, not so much. And I say male admin not to try and be this uh, uh, this anti-male thing. I say that because there were 
a couple female admins that were amazing through all of this and through the debacle, through all my time at Pembroke, they were amazing. So that's why I don't just want to say my admin, because there were a few members of the admin team that happened to be female that were very supportive. Excuse me. So, all right. One of my students, sorry, this is the not professional of me trying to take a drink to try and help my cold. Um, One of the students wrote to me after this meeting, she said, Dear Mrs. Reeves, I wanted to reach out to you regarding what you talked to our class about today. I want you to know that I think of you as one of the best teachers I have ever had. You're always kind, willing to help, and overall a fantastic teacher. I feel so sorry for what you're having to go through right now. I can't imagine how terrible you feel for what has happened, and I want you to know I never thought you were promoting any sort of anti-Semitism. The sad truth is people will write whatever they want in the paper and make those they are talking about seem as if they are a whole different person than who they truly are. This will all figure itself out. And in the meantime, I want you to know I support you and truly enjoy having you as one of my teachers. So that was somebody that was in my class that I had talked to the next day. Another student who I've never had a class sent me this. Mrs. Reams, I'm very much admired everything you said this morning during the politics meeting. I do not know you extremely well, but what I do know is how strong your character is and how naturally respectful and inclusive you are. I hope what students, teachers, or stupid reporters are saying doesn't make you doubt your character. You have my utmost respect and admiration, and PHS conservatives and all of PHS are lucky to have you. Parents also reach out to me, and I don't say all this to toot my own horn. I'm just giving a picture of how I was received by students and parents immediately after the article came out, which was a glaring difference from how those admins and a few alumni reacted. Okay, so back to the timeline. It's now February 2nd. I'm open with all my classes and such. I make a phone call to my contacts at JCRB, which I talked about before, but I did not state that that's the Jewish Community Relations Bureau, as well as the MCHE, which is the Midwest Center for Holocaust Education. So my contacts at those two places, I reach out to them about all this, and both of them, they verbalize their support for me and say they're willing to speak on my behalf if that's needed. Wednesday, February 3rd, I actually stayed homesick. Uh, this put me in the doctor's office. I was having stomach issues and all kinds of things. And while I'm home that day, I'm sent screenshots from the alumni Facebook page where, I don't know, four or five, a handful of alumni were completely slandering me. Um, that same day, the head and master asked me to do a Zoom meeting at one o'clock. And this is when he throws completely asinine claims at me. And they're the same claims that were being made, interestingly, on the Facebook page. Yet when I ask him about the Facebook page, he claims that he doesn't know anything about having a Facebook page and that he'll look into that. And I'm like, how are you at school, but you don't even know that you have an alumni Facebook page, but whatever. And also he's quoting the same accusations to me that were on that Facebook page, but whatever. I make a request that the comments be taken down since they're falsely attacking a faculty member. And, you know, we're supposed to be one community and support each other and all that. But I do have screenshots of all the posts. And honestly, I should have charged those little mm, with defamation. I really should have. Um, And I still have their names. I still have what they said. It's bad. Um, I start getting phone calls and emails and text messages from people who are angry and concerned and worried and they want to know how they can help and so on. 
So that day, which was Wednesday, article comes out on Sunday. This is on Wednesday, approximately 5 p.m. I'm alerted via email that a sub request has been put in for me for February 2nd through February 10th. I'm completely unaware why I might be needing a sub for those days. So that was interesting. 6 p.m. Headmaster asked me to Zoom and we connect around 6.45. I'm now told there will be, quote, an investigation by the school attorney and head of HR that I will be on paid leave for a few days. I am floored. I'm like, an investigation? Like, into what? The Facebook post that we've already handled and dealt with? Or these ridiculous lies that a handful of liberal alums are spewing out there about me? I mentioned my concern about my students because obviously I'm not prepared with plans. And any of you that are teachers know that you need to plan ahead for a sub. It's so hard to be gone. I am literally told by the headmaster, quote, I'm sure the sub could come up with activities. And I'm like, what the hell? Actually, no, a sub can't come up with activities for pre-calculus and calculus. I mean, why is that a response? My students are not five years old. Give me a break. Anyway, he was also clueless when I mentioned that I didn't appreciate being told via email alert that I was not going to be teaching next week. And he actually, he acted like he had no clue how that had happened. And I'm like, well, you had to have been the one to tell HR that I wasn't going to be in the classroom. So anyway, I get off this Zoom and I sit at my kitchen table and I'm in tears. I'm crying about everything that was being said about me, about being told I'm not going to be teaching for the next week, about being under investigation, whatever that meant, about not being supported by my admin, just all the things. I am an emotional wreck, calling my family, I'm crying crying to my parents. My husband just keeps telling me it's going to be fine. You know that these are all lies. It's going to smooth over. It'll all be fine. Okay, so Thursday, February 4th, okay? Still, by the way, I've not had any contact from my principal, okay? Zoom is set up with head of HR and the school attorney. I'm told by them that nothing matters prior to August 2020 because that's when that post happened. I'm told I will not be fired over political posts. I reiterated how this whole prom accusation that I talked about in the last uh, episode cannot logistically be true. And so why is that still even being brought up? Because it had been brought up. I'm asked by the attorney for names of current Jewish families to speak with on my behalf. And my response is like, well, how am I supposed to know who's Jewish? Oh, my goodness, I tell you. I'm asked then if, uh, second, my thing's uh, going crazy again. Uh, Anyway, I'm asked uh, if I can do another interview on Friday. I agree, saying, yeah, I want it done as soon as possible so I can get through all this. I can focus on my brother's upcoming surgery that we've been praying on, and that's happening the following Tuesday. So that evening, I get phone calls from students, parents, A note is even left at my door, which I live 30 minutes from the school. And there is a note on the door from a student asking what they can do, telling me I miss, needing me back in the classroom. I email uh, the head of HR that night, again, asking how am I supposed to provide names of Jewish families when I don't know which of my kids are Jewish and there's no response. Friday, the next day, February 5th, HR does finally respond and says, we'll only give the names of anyone that you already know is Jewish. 
And I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't really help me, right? Throughout the day on that Friday the 5th, I'm emailing and calling the head of HR asking, well, what time should be ready for this interview? I don't hear anything because remember, they had asked me to interview on Friday. It is now Friday. I hear nothing until 5.40 p.m. when I'm asked, oh, can you now can you do it on Saturday? So let me just paint this picture, okay? The article comes out on Sunday. I've been put through the ringer by admin. I've been tacked on the alumni page. I've been falsely accused of these horrific things. I've been told I was going to be under investigation. I've been kicked out of my classroom. I'm told I'm going to be interviewed on Friday, but then that's pushed to Saturday. My personal still, no contact. Witty does finally call me that afternoon, almost a week later. It's not to check on me, not to show support. Instead, it's because one of the allegations against me involves him. A student alumni that I had mentioned on that page especially claimed that she had complained about me to my principal when she was in my class, and this was racially motivated complaint. Here's what's crazy. This is a girl who my daughter went to her home for playdates when they were little. A girl that never expressed any issues with me while in my classroom. Now she's claiming on social media that she not only filed a complaint against me, but that she filed a complaint to the principal. And so the principal was calling me because he verified. He's like, Beth, that didn't happen. We keep copies of all complaints of that nature. There is nothing in the file. This never happened. I was like, yeah, welcome to my world. Um, but I guess he only cared and discredited the lies when they involved him. You know, the other lies still had an, they needed to be under investigation. But the one he experienced, mentioning his name, mentioning something that he supposedly did and he knew for a fact he didn't do, he could prove that it was not in a file. That one, oh, of course that was not true. But the others, we need to investigate. So Saturday, February 6th, I'm called by the school attorney and head of HR. Lots of things were discussed. There were lots of, well, do you know certain names, students from the past? Some I did, some I didn't. But I'm not told exactly what anyone supposedly said, except for one. And oh my goodness, like I still get fired up when I think about this. So Alexis Worley Leibowitz, yep, I'm going to say her name because that is who the attorney quoted, said that she had sent a letter to the school about me, complaining about me. And I had seen her name on the alumni page because she commented on that too. And let me give you some background about this chick. So I had her in class. I'm not sure what year, maybe around 2000-ish. I really don't. Never heard any complaints from her. Felt like we had a good rapport. She did well in class. And there was also a family connection with this girl. Her half-sister was a dear friend of my sister's and a friend of mine. And that sister actually was a godmother to one of my nieces. So there's kind of this family connection with this girl. After she graduated, I have no clue where she went to college, what she did with her life. I think I may have seen her out jogging like a couple years after she graduated, like while I was out on a walk on a trail. I think I saw her jogging and said hello. But other than that, zero contact with this person. Even though our families kind of, you know, had that connection, she was never at anything for my niece or anything like that. So no contact with this young woman. So imagine my shock when I not only see her posting on the alumni page, but then he, to hear that she had written a letter about me, like that had lies in it. I don't know everything in the letter because I asked many times 
for a copy of it. And it, in the beginning, they said, yeah, we can get you a copy. But then they refused. Later on, they refused. But I don't know everything that's in it. What I do know is this. The attorney asked me about seeing this person at dinner the Monday night before this. So like the Monday night before this letter was written. And I said, I had not. And he said, quote, she says things to sound like she knows where you are and what you are doing a lot of the time. To which my response was, that's creepy. I'm told there is something in the letter about what she heard me say at dinner. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go through my phone. I'm going to prove this chick wrong, right? So I go through my phone, which has my calendar on it, and see what I was doing for dinner Monday night. Because with my brother's upcoming surgery and his um, gastrointestinal issues, we had kind of, we kind of kept track of each other and like, well, what do you do? Can I bring you dinner? Things like that. So anyway, luckily, I had texted with my brother on that Monday night, telling him what my husband was making me at home for dinner that night. So here we are again, something that is a provable lie. I was not anywhere on Monday night outside of my home, yet she is quoting hearing me say something that Monday night at dinner. Couldn't have happened. But did that clear my name? Nope. That letter came up time and time again, them referring to it, yet refusing to show it to me. And by the way, at the time that this letter happened, I Googled her and stuff, and she was a teacher. I don't know if she is still a teacher, but I'm like, seriously, how do you do this false accusation stuff and call yourself an educator? But whatever. So I don't know if, if, if this is ever heard by her. I mean, all I can do is say shame on you. Like, I don't know what I did to make you come after me in that way with lies. I, I don't know. But shame on you. That's all I'm going to say. All right. So back to this interview. I'm also told by this attorney that he is, quote, 99% sure that I will not be fired with cause. And that, quote, I don't see anything to report regarding violations of school policy since August of 2020, end of quote, which is when I signed that agreement. I gave three names of Jewish families for them to call, by the way, one of which I didn't even know this family was a Jewish. This mother had been a really good supporter of mine. I had her boys in class and she had been wonderful to me. And when we were talking about all this, I said something about, well, the school wants me to give Jewish names and I don't even know that about students. And she's like, Beth, I'm Jewish. <laughs> and I was like, perfect. And she's like, give my name. So anyway, I gave them the names of three families to call. I was told they would be called on Monday, February 8th. And then I was told that the attorney would meet with the principal and the head of school to discuss the phone calls, the whatever, and then I would be updated. Okay, so it's Sunday, February 7th. We're one week out from the article. It's Super Bowl Sunday. And all I can think about is this mess. The lies, getting back into my classroom, my career. Am I going to have a job? Uh, it was a mess. And I'm also so worried about my principal's input regarding this. So I emailed the attorney directly twice. Once regarding my concern about the principal not handling this objectively. And that's due to not only the multiple concerns I had that I expressed in August, but also a side note to all this, his son, who was a student at school, had already attacked me multiple times via trying to get me fired, sending out text messages and stuff, trying to get me fired, mocking me having COVID, um, lying about me to other students about numerous things. Anyway, and more is to come on that. But 
also letting him know that I already had filed uh, with HR regarding my principal in the fall. So then the second email was defending myself. I was restating the false allegations, saying how they couldn't be true, the factual evidence that made them that couldn't be true. I gave names of people who wanted to speak on my behalf. I pointed out Facebook posts by other liberal teachers that had no consequences, even one involving Hitler, by the way. So many things. And just saying how worried I was about it, right? And that I would love to have an update. I would love for this to be taken care of soon. I want to be back in the classroom, etc. That same day, an incredible alumni sent this amazing letter to the headmaster. She was a student I taught. She's a woman of color. And since I was now being accused of racism, among other atrocities, she wrote this email. She spoke so highly on my behalf about me meeting with her outside class, me being such a positive force in her world. Now, let me also point out that this woman, the school respected her enough that they had offered her a job as our middle school learning specialist. So they obviously thought she had it all together. She was amazing. They wanted her on board at the school. But when it came to her outward support of me going against their narrative, they seemed disinterested. She ended up declining the position, not because of me. I mean, that was just because of other things she had in her life. It just wasn't the best place for her. So Monday, February 8th, we're now eight days into this fiasco. I've only had one word from my principal, and that was when he called about the accusation involving him. My Jewish families that they, Jewish families that they had asked for still have not been called. I email HR asking for an update. If I'm going to be teaching the following day, I'm told, quote, nothing new to report. I prep yet another lesson for my students to upload because, yeah, this whole time I'm still writing and teaching all of their lessons via videos online. Students keep asking where I am, when I'm coming back. I'm not allowed to say anything to them. Um, this day on February 8th, an email is sent by the basketball player that I was accused of drinking with. He emailed the headmaster and because I was copied on it, saying that the accu accusations were lies. It never happened. You know, all these things are happening, proving that this is all lies. Tuesday, February 9th, no contact. Again, all day. I email the principal, the head of school, the head of HR at 3.30, asking for a status, expressing my concern for my students who are now reaching out along with their parents. 5.50 p.m. So all day we go again. And HR finally responds saying there's no new information and I'm told to put more lessons up for the rest of the week. Wednesday, February 10th, I'm told not to attend the teacher in service that's on Friday. More parents are now texting and calling me and I'm keeping track of like anywhere between 2 and 12 messages that I'm getting every day asking where am I, when am I back, what is going on, what's going to happen with their kids, etc. Thursday, February 11th. So this is, you know, the article came out January 31st. We're not February 11th, but it's day five of the kids not having any live instruction because of uh, weekends in there and then days off of school. This is a day where a certain high-profile alumni reaches out to me who happens to be Jewish. They call me to discuss what's going on, and he says he wants me to get in touch with the school, give them his information so that he can be my advocate. He was also in my class back in the late 90s, early 2000s, so he could speak on the time frame of all of these accusations. I get no response from anyone. I don't think he was ever contacted that he told me. Friday, February 12th, I email everyone again. No response. 
Also, references that they asked for still have not been called. We are nearly two weeks after this article was published. We're coming up on a three-day weekend, and I have no clue if I'm teaching that following Tuesday. So Monday hits February 15th. There's no school due to President's Day. Finally, I get an email from the head of HR at 7 p.m. saying that I'm supposed to keep lessons updated online and plans to my principal through the end of the week, quote, just in case. I'm told I should not be contacting current students or parents and to send any information or questions directly in parentheses, it says just to her. (sighs) That I am going to remain on paid administrative leave, yet I'm expected to do all lessons, not talk to the kids. I reply to her email in part saying this. I took some pieces from this email that I said. So this is to the head of HR. To say I am disappointed in how this has been handled is putting it mildly. I've done nothing wrong and am being treated with zero respect, zero compassion, completely like some stranger to this place instead of a 25-year veteran of the school with a spotless record until August of 2020 when a situation was taken care of and I got glowing reviews from the people who handled that with me. From a school that claims that we are a community where administration has your back, I, as well as other faculty and staff, are seeing that is not how this has been treated. Those words do not ring true. As head of HR, I think it is very important for you to understand this treatment is not okay. Be it a member of the community or not, the lack of communication, basic humanity that has been evident here should be seen as completely unprofessional. I have not heard from my headmaster since February 3rd. It has affected my students, the parents of my students, my family, my personal health, but This place seems to show no concern for any of those things. So that's what I sent to the head of HR. Because head of HR is supposed to be like our advocates, right? They're supposed to be there for faculty and staff. Yeah, not so much. So Tuesday, February 16th. So we're going on what, two weeks now? I get an email from the headmaster. And I had been appalled at how all of this had been handled, right? I sent that to the head of HR. Lack of communication, such and such. Well, This email, the headmaster says that HR's contact has been sufficient. Mind you, I was called by HR twice in approximately two weeks. During a career-changing situation, during a character assassination, twice in two weeks. That's not sufficient in my eyes. I'm asked to meet in person at 2 p.m. on Thursday, and by now I've hired an attorney. So this attorney says, can we meet via Zoom so that they can be involved? So I email that to the headmaster and the headmaster replies back, wanting to be in person because of the, quote, sincerity that this discussion deserves. And he promises to not be, quote, an inquisition, but rather a frank conversation. So I agree with hesitation. And I think I mentioned to him, like, as long as this isn't going to be an attack, okay, I'll come without my attorney. My references are finally called eight days after I and they were told they would be contacted. Uh, And for some reason, I can't find my notes on that meeting with the headmaster, but I do know in my notes, it does says that it was, that meeting was respectful. It was kind of some questions, a conversation. I know I'm told that I have to meet with the principal before I can return to the classroom. And that meeting was set for February 22nd. I met with that principal and head of HR and I recorded the entire thing because I knew from experience with this principal that we're going to see. And thank God I did. 
it was so hurtful and wrong and crazy. And the pieces of this that I'm going to talk about also were talked about in an article by the Daily Wire. Um, and y'all can look that up if you want. It's in the Daily Wire. If you Google like Missouri math teacher fired over personal Facebook posts, it'll come up. And so you can read that. But anyway, so it's me, my principal, head of HR in person at this meeting that went on for over an hour. So I can't possibly get into all of that. But there's a few things that my principal said to me. Quote, you've said if I asked you today which of your students was Jewish, you probably couldn't tell us. Obviously, you know some you met with, but I guess one of my concerns is that you don't have that information. And then he goes on to say, quote, part of getting to know the students is getting to know those things about them. So my response was, I just think, especially in math, religion should not come up in our math class. When it becomes important for me is when I see an absence for a Jewish holiday, then I take care of it. When my kids walk in the room, I'm judging them on their math and I'm supporting them in everything I can that I know about them. And only if they open up with me about certain things, am I able to support them? His response, quote, let me ask you a question then. It may sound dumb, but I always have a reason for the questions I ask. Do you know which ones are Latino? You know which ones are East Asian? That's what he asked me. So I said, obviously, I know if my students are of a different ethnicity, because perhaps it's a visual, obviously. And someone even said to me a conversation lately, well, obviously, I'm Jewish because of my last name. And I said, no, that's just not how I am. And I'm still talking here. And I say, my compassion is not dependent upon what slot I am putting them in. To which he replies, the whole colorblind people in society say it drives me crazy. Yeah, so there's a couple issues here, right? I reached out. Um, well, first off, I guess I was supposed to look at my students and know they were Jewish. By what? Their physical traits? Um Yeah. So I reached out to my connections at the Jewish education centers that I'd worked with. And their response was that they did not want us asking who was Jewish. Some students didn't want that known, or maybe they didn't identify as being Jewish, even though their family did. Who knows? And this is what I loved. They told me, they go, Beth, we stopped making lists of Jews back in the 40s. So they weren't real happy with that line of questioning that my principal had thrown at me. And they said they were actually going to add that to their discussions within the training that they had set up with uh, the school that that's not a list that we're supposed to make. And, you know, that didn't end the meeting. Um, just those little quotes that that was not the end of the meeting. I was berated and accused of being racist and homophobic and all the kinds of things. And like I was told that there was a pro-life post that I had shared on Facebook. Um, and it was a gentleman that had gone to a hospital where BLM was protesting outside and this gentleman was a man of color and he went up and he's like, yeah, Black Lives Matter. And they're all like, yeah, and they're cheering. And he's like, yes, all Black Lives Matter. And they're like, yeah, and they cheer. And then he said, including unborn Black lives. And they stopped cheering because he was a pro-life advocate. And so I posted this video. My principal told me that that was anti-BLM, that that could be seen as anti-BLM. And I'm like, uh... Have you done any research on why Planned Parenthood was began? Because this was a pro-life post, and I am pro-life. So if you look up why 
Planned Parenthood was began, it was to kill the unborn black babies. So I told my principal, I'm like, I could not actually be more black life matters because I care about the unborn black lives as well. Oh, no, no. He said that could be misinterpreted. That anti-BLM. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then he brought up a post that I had made about when a student brought me a bumper sticker. And he's like, Miss Reams, this is exactly how I feel. And the bumper sticker sticker said, white, straight, male, Republican. How else can I piss you off? And my principal got mad about this. He's like, how could you post that? I'm like, because that's how the student felt. He was a white, male, straight, Republican that felt he was hated or disliked or that pissed everybody off because of that. Now, how is that me being a racist? Oh, my gosh. I mean, all those conversations. And my principal told me that maybe I should be making the kids in my classroom more comfortable. Like, I should be putting up pictures on my walls of female mathematicians and Latino mathematicians, you know, because that's going to make them comfortable. Uh, It was just full of nonsense. But it ended up with him basically asking, why do I even bother wanting to come? And he said to me, quote, why are you even taking that risk? Because he was referring about that my every move was going to be watched. And and what if something else, you know, somebody else, somebody misunderstood something else I was going to say. And I'm like, here's what I said. And I'm going to quote just parts of what I said. I said, I think it's very important right now to stand up for what is right. I think that I have done way more good in my time as an educator than bad. I think I've learned through all of this how much good I've done. And I think it's very important for my students, my families, and my fellow faculty to see me come back with my head high and do what I do best, which is teaching these kids. To me, it's about standing up for what's in my 25 years. The right I've done so outweighs that, referring to the post. And what I do for this community so outweighs that, in my opinion. There are many people that have reached out to me saying that they do not know a person that is more pro the school and pro community and pro your students and pro your faculty. And, you know, all of that means a lot more than any one mistake. I know me walking out of that classroom with people thinking I'm racist or homophobic or anti-Semitic or whatever label you want to put on me is wrong, period, because that is not who I am. So I'm not going to cower you. I mean, that would have been a nice mic drop while I got walk out of the room, right? But of course, I mean, the meeting continued with me being hit below the belt and and just verbally attacked in what I feel like it was. I went to my car and I sat in my car in the parking lot and I just cried. I called my husband and I just cried. I just felt like that meeting was over an hour of just jabs to my character to my values, my morals, to me being a teacher, to everything I'd done the past 25 years. And the person that's supposed to advocate for the employee, the head of HR, didn't do her job. She sat there and she joined in on it. This is the meeting where they laughed at me when I quoted the friend of mine that said, Beth, these people have said they can't get you on your politics, but they can't get you on. They laughed at me. They're like, oh, you can't believe that. I'm like, well, it's happening. So anyway, everything that it happened. (laughs) Ah, I then emailed the head of school the very next day with yet another formal complaint. So I now complained about my treatment that I endured from this principal. 
I complained to head of HR in August, and I'm now complaining to the head of school in February. And hell, it's now January 2024, y'all, and I've never heard back on anything. <laughs> I have not been contacted in the way that it is laid out in the employee handbook regarding what happens when you file a formal complaint. Instead, what has happened? <laughs> Instead, my contract was not renewed, and I didn't find that out at that meeting. There's more going on to this than that. But that meeting is where... I'm going to stop this episode because from then it kind of a lot of things, other things happened and like how I did get back in the classroom and what happened after that is a whole story in itself. Okay. So it's now February 23rd, 2021. I'm still not in the classroom. My students still don't have in-person instruction. I've still not been given copies of any complaints. Still not been given a copy of that dumb letter that that girl wrote. I've still not been told what is going on with the, quote, investigation. I have been accused of all of these things by a handful of alumni. And now I've been accused of these things by my principal. And it is, for lack of better words, y'all, it's a complete shit show, to be honest with you. I mean, I try not to curse in these things, but that's what it is. It's a complete shit show. So I'm going to end it there because we are just under an hour right now. And that gives you um, a little more insight into what went down. And next episode, I will wrap it up with how I got back in the classroom, yet then how my career at that school ended in a completely inappropriate way. Thank you so much, and y'all have an amazing day. 